Bernstein and Holmes, middays 10 to 2 on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com in Odyssey Station. We have a full hour left on the show. It is the Bernstein and Holmes show, occupied today by Tom Thayer and me, Mark Grody. Take more of your Bears calls a little bit later on at 312-644-6767. But it is about baseball time as players, more and more players, starting to report to their various camps around the country, including the Chicago Cubs, and that includes our broadcasters like Pat Hughes and our next guest, Ron Coomer, who joins us on the Circa Resort and Casino Hotline. Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. It's all been leading up to this moment, having Ron Coomer on the air. What's going on, Coom? How are you, buddy? Coom dog. <laughs> Marcus, Tommy, how are you boys doing? Oh. I, I'm doing good, doing good. Getting ready to go to uh, Phoenix tomorrow and get the season started. So I, I'm, I'm excited about uh, getting down to camp. Yeah, man. And, you know, coming off the, the Cubs convention, you looked like you were having a blast when they introduced all those guys. And it's always funny to see all the, the new names and the, the minor leaguers that people don't know about yet. But, you know, there, there has been a lot of reorganization under Jed Hoyer and, you know, trying to, you know, rebuild this team and get it back to a point of sustained success. Do you, are you feeling better about that now than maybe you did at this time last year, Coom? Yeah, no doubt. There, there's some big league names that have been signed, and um, that, that was something I thought that was needed, right? Like, when you have a young team, a very young team, and and all that inexperience, there's times you, you need some guys around the clubhouse that have gone through some of the battles already, and and it, it's it's important to have that for for some of the young guys, just to get an idea, maybe even of how to go about the day-to-day routine of being in the big leagues, how to, you know, little tidbits of, of information, you know, that you can learn from a guy who's been in the league five, six, seven, eight, ten years that you just don't pick up unless you're around people that have been there. And I think it's important at times to have some of those, those uh, people, and that's what the Cubs have now. They get some guys that are going to, be around here for a long time, like the shortstop with Swanson, and then some guys that have that have been signed that may only be here one year, but they've played and they've gone through playoffs and maybe won a World Series, or you know, in Bellinger's case, he's done both. He's won a World Series and been an MVP, you know, and he's he's trying to figure his own stuff out now with the bat in his hand. But you know, you're going to see some some things that you know, if you're a young guy, that maybe you haven't seen before, and it's good. Hey, Coom Dog, you know, in the life of a football player, the last month or so before you get ready to go to training camp is probably the worst, the most miserable month of the year, just because, <laughs> you know, everything that's going to go on. And so I, over the weekend, I was watching the Marquee Network and I was looking at the backdrop of uh, Major League Baseball training camps and just the dot conversations you have. When you get ready to go to training camp as a Major League Baseball player, is it is it a fun trip that you're going to go on or is there any misery that we would go through just because we knew the toll it was going to take on you no I, Tom, we, I, no offense I, I don't want you to be mad at me not at all much much better negotiators than you guys were many 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 years ago on how camp worked 
and we actually get to rent our own houses and stay in our own places and uh, not go to some dorm room and bring fans and stuff like that. So it's a much more relaxed environment. Um, I don't know how that worked out that way, but it did, and I was very really thankful for it because it's a, it's a much more um, enjoyable experience. I have gone to football camp um, to watch you guys and, you know, the whole dorm thing and all that and the two days and, you know, based off, we're just soft at time. I don't know how else to describe it. We just are. Um, camp is much more fun. We're not getting the dog beat out of the seven days too, which is the other thing that when I watched you guys going through camp, I'm like, wow, that's a hard, that's, that's, yeah, I don't know if I'd be all that excited about going down to do that. So, all right, so they, when they bring in pitchers and catchers aboard, what is the process for a pitcher to get his arm in position that he's ready to throw some innings or get ready to try to get into the season? Is that is that a, a consistency? Is the process the same every year, or is it different between right-handed to left-handed pitchers, fastball pitchers, the curveball pitchers, or is it all the same? I think it's different for everybody individually. I, and that's part of kind of what Mark was just asking about, about having some older guys, you know, that have gone through this a little bit in camp, right? I think if you're a young guy, you throw, 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 and try to get your arm ready to go. So when you show up in camp, you're game ready, right? If you're a young guy, cause you're all excited. For the older guys, they're like, no, 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 no. I, I just want my arm in shape. So I can throw my bullpens and then build up to game ready shape, you know, as camp progresses and, you know, maybe game ready for an inning or two, then it's three or four innings. And then it's maybe, you know, 80 pitches or so by the time camp ends for the starters and you build up to that. But I think, you know, when I was a young guy getting into camp, I was like, you know, dying to get there. And, you know, I had taken you know, a thousand ground balls already and swung to my hands were bleeding and it, damn Lockport cage, you know, at the high school and you're just, you know, and you're like, wow, I'm, you know, is it July or are we just starting, you know, of the amount of swings and that you take, but um, there, there's some, some good, I'm really excited to have some of the older guys in camp this year, just so, so some of these young kids, you know, like for, uh, the, the guy that to me has been a benefit the most from having Swanson on this club is Nico Horner. Mm-hmm. Right? Nico is a really talented young player. But, you know, he's, he's just trying to find his way, and, he, and he's a fun guy to watch play. But now I'm going to guess those two have paired, have paired up and are like, you know, you see one, you see the other all camp long. That's the way it's going to be. And that's what Jeter did with Soriano when he came to the big leagues, you know, too, right? Those two were paired together, and they hit together, they ate together, they, they got to the park together, they took ground balls together. That's going to be one of those situations that I'm looking looking forward to, and seeing uh, you know the kind of the maturing process um, for Nico being around a guy that's already won a World Series and you know a pretty established star player. One thing that I really like, Coom, that the Cubs proclaimed yesterday. I was reading one of the stories that they they are planning on going with. The the plan is to keep Keegan Thompson as a reliever for the Cubs next year. Going to the season with the idea that he is a reliever, not a starter. That said, the top four starters, at least rough draft wise, I like as well in terms of what they have. Marcus Stroman, Jameson Tyone, Justin Steele, and that third hole. 
and then Drew Smiley, whom they re-signed as well. Are you at all surprised that Keegan Thompson, that they have come up with a definite plan that they that they apparently want him as a reliever and not a starter? And I dig it because I think he could be a, a great reliever, Keegan Thompson. Yeah, I, I'm not surprised, Mark. I kind of, you know, I had a little more insight probably than most just being in Rocky's office day after day after day <laughs> down the stretch of the season. So it kind of was, was trending that way. Uh, and I think Keegan is one of those kids that, you know, if you put him out there for 100 pitches or 85 to 100 pitches, you know, you, you have to keep a little in the tank and reserve to get to that point, right? When he's in the bullpen now, he can just cut or loose for an inning, an inning and a third, and two innings maybe at the most, and, and just let her rip. And I think that's going to be important to have that for the Cubs, and they need a guy. They need to develop a guy that's going to be, if it's not the closer, that eighth inning, ninth inning guy that you developed him, right? And I think Keegan also has that, you know, mentality. Tommy, you'd like him because he's one of those guys that, you know, he, there's there's some fire in the, in the belly a little bit with Keegan, and you, you like to see that when a young guy comes in and things aren't working out, you know, he tries to figure out another way to do it. Sometimes that's the mental side of, you know, just getting a little, getting, uh, you know, a little upset with himself and getting a little fiery and just trying to figure it out. And I, I love to see that, especially in a late inning bullpen guy. I think that's important, Mark. And I think that's what we have with Keegan Thompson. And it makes, it makes all the sense in the world. Cause you got to remember too now, Kyle Hendricks is probably going to come back. Everything that I've heard in talking with Kyle also, if he feels really good. So does he miss, the first few starts, then you miss the first month of April, but then you got, you know, another guy that's going to probably be really strong, you know, getting ready to come back. So, you know, you're going to add, you're going to add Kyle at some point here pretty soon. Hey, Coomdog. So I was reading an article by, as Pat Hughes says, Wilson Contreras. <laughs> and he said that the Cubs are going to, uh, they're going to, um, rule the day that they got rid of him is is that the case or what do you feel about that position for the immediacy of the season i think the cubs are in good shape right now with uh tucker barnard is you know the other guy the cubs have a good mix right now so the, the, the positive is you get two veteran catchers one hits right-handed one hits left-handed so you've got you've got the, the ability to go back and forth and have matchups they're, you know, whether you like it or not, you know, when Wilson was catching the ERA for the pitching staff, I think was over a run higher than what it was when the other guys were catching. That's a, that's a, that's a key stat. It's important. You know, there's a reason for that. And, and what it is, do you blame it all on Wilson? No. But there's something to be said. It might even be more than one point. It might have been a one and a half. Um, so... You know, those are some things that you, you talk about and you, you analyze. And, you know, um, are the Cubs going to miss Wilson's bat? Yeah, but I think right now with two veteran catchers, um, I think our catching situation right now um, is in really good shape. I really do. Cubs spring training on the score is sponsored by Sloan, official water efficiency partner of the Chicago Cubs. We're talking to Ron Coomer, Cubs radio analyst here on 670 The Score. I'm Mark Grody along with Tom Thayer. Another sneaky little signing that I really like. I've always liked Michael Fulmer, and I know it's only a one-year deal, but that does add texture to the bullpen, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. It really does. It adds a guy that's had a lot of success in our league. 
And um, I think when you when if, if you're going to be able to compete, you know, and they come out with these projections on where the Cubs kind of rank, and I think right now they're figured to be third in the division. If you know everything, if we played it by a computer, which we know we don't, um, but um, you got to add some pieces that you guys are accustomed to being late in the game and having that bullpen that they can come in and you know their heart rate's not going through the roof and they can settle in and you know and get three outs when you need it and not let the the game itself just be too big and, and, and dictate your performance. And I think Fulmer is one of those guys that has gone through it a little bit um, as a starter and a reliever. And maybe this relieving thing because of his arm issues he's had in the past, Mark, uh, this might be a perfect fit for him. And he's got to be hungry, right? I mean, he's come off, he's been he banged up some, he had some surgery, and he's a, he's a, a real high pick if he wasn't first pick. Uh, but I know he's a first-round pick and, and a guy that, you know, big name in the, in the league for yeah. a short period of time before he got hurt. So, you know, he wants to get back on track and being one of those guys that's elite in our game, I'm sure. Hey, hey Coom, when you think of the batting order for the Cubs, do you do they, do the manager of the team, do they have the names in place how they would like it to fall in by the time the regular season starts? Or is training camp still an audition to see where you fit best in terms of where they think about you week one, the first month of the season? I would say, Tommy, you're looking at um, probably 80 to 90% of that already decided. would be my guess as of right now, especially because it comes, there's not a lot of position players on this team that don't know that they're, they're trying to figure out if they're going to, play or not. Maybe the third base spot is, is one of those spots that, you know, there's three guys right now that their names are being thrown out there. Where do they fit in the lineup? Um, first base is another spot with the D is where are they going to fit? Probably somewhere in that three through seven slot, somewhere in there. But I think the key, the three key spots, you're probably looking, um, you know, to me, Nico Horner is probably, you know, the leadoff spot is open, but um, you've got to have somebody that can get on base, but he's one of those guys. He's not a, a walk guy. He's up there swinging, but he hits 300. So, I mean, you know, he's, he's a positive guy. I, I think they're expecting a lot more from Suzuki. It wouldn't surprise me if he had second or third, if he, you know, takes a step forward now understanding, you know, the league a little better this year. You know, and then you got Swanson, you got Half. You know, there's some guys in there that, you know, I think you're, if I'm a Rossi, He's probably written down 5,000 combinations of lineups over the winter. And at the end of the day, he always comes up with about the same four or five names right there at the top. And then, you know, then you figure it out from there. But I, I would say he's probably about 90% sure where, where guys are going to hit. Will the Cubs going to do a third base, Combe? The, the the position which you once occupied years ago? is it, are, are we Man, I sure would like to see Patrick Wisdom still get a chance. Well, he'll get a chance. There's no doubt. He's by far the, the, the best defensive third baseman the Cubs have. There's, it's not even close. So I'll, I'll say that right now. I'm watching him and his abilities to play on defense. Um, he's a guy. Now, the thing with Patrick and where, where, you know, he's fallen, you know, a little bit in the eyes of probably David and, and organization a little bit, I would say. It's just because of the lack of contact, right? He's, Big power guy, but a lot of strikeouts. 
So he's got to work on that part of his game. Um, the guy that I'm intrigued by but needs work is Morell. Morell needs a lot of work if he's going to play on the left side of the infield ever. Um, I just don't think that's comfortable for him. The speed of the game, and not that the game plays too fast, his game clock um, as an infielder on the left side of the infield is not right. He takes too many steps when he catches a ground ball on reaching plate, and then every play is bang-bang at first base. So he needs to understand that, you know, the game clock, the game is playing a little faster than what he is at third base um, when I saw him last year, and hopefully they've corrected some of that because um, he's dynamic, right? I mean, he's one of those. He's the best athlete maybe we got on the team. Mm-hmm. Um, you like to have those guys on the field, and he proved he could hit. So that's interesting. Um, and then Madrigal, they're trying him. They, I know they want to get his bat in their thumb to be a contact guy. I think it's going to be a difficult transition for Madrigal to play third base in clubs or for any big league team. Um, they've said he's been working at it. I'm looking for He's a great guy, so I hope it is working out for him, but um, we'll see how that, how that goes when he gets down there and we get in a more game situation. That's it's a, tough, it's a tough ask for a guy who's, you know, played second base all his career and now moved across the diamond for that. It's all about his arm and that throw across the diamond. Hey, Coondog, it's always good talking to you. Last question for me is, um, for those of us that are just baseball fans that don't know the inside and outside of, of baseball, are there any new rule changes that you agree with, you disagree with, or any of that we should be paying attention to just as fans of baseball? Yeah, I don't know if you need to pay attention to that. I, I think it's kind of odd that there are you know, two throws to first base is all you get if you make the third one. And you don't pick the guy off at the block, like you know. So you're gonna, so you're gonna. It's like people in in an office are dictating the strategies of a game in a, in a big ball game. So you know you got two first place teams and, and you're in the ninth inning, and now you've got a, a base dealer at first, and you can only throw over twice. So we can speed the game up by a couple minutes. Right. That makes sense to me. The, the, the thing that's going to be great for the fans and for the broadcasters and everything else, and is going to be a big change, is the time clock. So the game, the speed of the game, the, the kind of the the pace of the game is going to go is going to be a lot quicker. Um, it changed the game by like 29 minutes in the minor leagues in AAA. So it shortened the game by quite a bit, from three plus hours to just over two and a half, which is a big difference. Um, that's going to be a big change. I, I don't understand the size of the base, the base change. Uh, you know, that seemed kind of odd to me. Um, Alex Cora made a good comment. He said, it looks like you got pizza boxes out on the field now. I thought that was pretty damn funny. Um, I'll see you see at some point this year. Then tip my hat to him. That was a good comment. I like that one. Um, but, you know, the, the, the shifting's still going to happen, even though they're, you know, still going to see a guy up the middle. He's just going to be a half step from second base bag playing up the middle. So, that rule, you know, it's changed some, but we're still going to see some shifting. But the pace of the game is going to be a big, a big difference. That's yep. for sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually looking forward to that part. Coom, you are the goods. I can only assume that you and Jim, Jim Deshays have a couple of tea times lined up uh, already. Uh, the six are already in Phoenix getting warm, marked. I just need to get my butt down there and they're <laughs> out there and, and get ready to play. Um, yeah, great to talk to you guys, as always, Mark. Thanks for 
Sure, you and Tommy, yeah, yeah, always good, buddy. Thanks, Kumar. Talked about you the other day um, in Lockport. Uh, you know, we had one of them Friday night glory days things, and uh, you know, your name gets brought up whenever <laughs> we start talking about football. So it is what it is. Were you at Were you at Coombs Corner or Uncle Richie's? <laughs> I was at Coombs Corner. I was at my. I'm too cheap to go somewhere. Oh else. no! I listen. I, 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 <laughs> I, I see your twi- I see your t- Twitter handle is at Coombs Corner Six. So hey, yeah, Coombs a big Twitter guy, big Twitter yeah, guy. Big, uh, but big, I drive by Coombs yeah. Corner all the time when I go to the the vet that I go to is about a block away. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, right next door. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Well, you guys, you guys have a great, great, Thanks, uh, great rest of the day. And if you need anything, let me know in spring. Always welcome down there, guys. Ah, uh, you're the goods, Ron. We'll talk to you soon, man. Thank you. Marcus Yep, there he goes. Ron Coomer. The best. Getting ready for baseball, man. You know, I, I asked him that about training camp because, you know, you have a, this building time up that you, you know, the training camp, the, the, conditioning and the weight room and never stops up until you report to training camp. And then it's just one of the most miserable couple months of your life because that's all it is. 12, 16 hours a day. You've been there and you know what it's like. And so there is no fun looking forward to training camp. Yeah, but I think if you're a veteran player, those guys have figured it out. Football football at young guys or old guys, you never look forward to it. Baseball, when I look in the backdrop – or listening to the stuff on radio or watching on marquee and stuff, you just think, God, what would it be like to go to 70-degree conditions, yes. only putting on shorts and oh, spikes, right. not taping up every one of your fingers, getting your ankles taped, getting your wrist taped, you know, all, all the other stuff that goes along with every single practice preparation. Yeah, I mean, I mean I've been to, I've covered a, a few spring trainings, and like I said, the veteran players and, and all the money that they have. Yeah, there's a lot of work that goes on, but guess what? At the end of the day, guess what they do? They get their sticks, <laughs> they go to the golf club, well, then know, they have a few beers, and they're just living in Arizona. When man. I was when I was playing in the USFL, my last two years, I played in Arizona, and so I had a buddy, Mark Grant, who's from my high school, Joliet Catholic, who went on to pitch for the San Francisco yeah, Giants. Yeah, color analyst now and, yeah for san diego he's hilarious yes. yeah but he was also in his triple a club that was maybe a mile away from my practice facility so after practices i would go there and sit in the dugout and stuff with oh, them nice. at the baseball so i got to be around baseball a little bit that's cool but not like you have been yeah no it is it is all consuming i mean spring i would suggest anybody that's a baseball fan it's fun, man. It's like a carnival of baseball when you go to spring yeah. training. You get all these different diamonds. You can kind of pick where you want to go, and you know, assuming that they allow that kind of thing. But if you have an opportunity to go to spring training, whether it's watching the practices on the fields or going to a game, it's a different animal, just but go, it's very cool. It's go and listen. You know, just go and listen to the sound of spring training because oh, yeah. there's so much more that you can hear than if you go to a major league baseball park on the day of an actual game because right. you're interacting more with the crowd. And at spring training, if you want to hear what they're saying at sports, you can hear it. When we come back, Justin Fields, in his own words, on being better. It's coming up next here on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Bernstein and Holmes, middays 10 to 2 on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com in Odyssey Station. 
But you've don't you think you've already proven your worth as the quarterback I mean, of the Bears? You just rolled your eyes a little bit. Uh, but I, I figured I'm going to ask a question I know the answer I to, think, but I want to hear it. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I've, I've shown a little bit, but I don't think I've shown uh, the world what I can do in terms of, you know, playing the full quarterback position and playing it consistently, you know. Mm -hmm. I think there were, you know, some times this year where, you know, I was better than others, you know, late the, like my last game of the season against the Lions, that 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 wasn't a good game. So just being more consistent, you know, for my teammates, for my coaches, and, you know, f for the fan base. So uh, you know, once I do that, once I you know just keep progressing and keep getting better, then I'll be good. Their starting quarterback Justin Fields on the Rich Eisen show recently, and Eisen asking the right questions. And I like that he started off with the rolling of the eyes and having to prove himself. But Tom Thayer, that's Tom Thayer. I'm Mark Rohde. Here on the score, we're in for Bernstein and Holmes today for just a few more minutes when we will bring in Zach Zaidman and Anthony Heron, who are in for the afternoon show, Parkins and Spiegel. So we'll talk to those guys here in just a little second. But what struck you about that cut? Because you wanted to play it. You know, I am glad he honestly answered the question that he's not a finished product, that he has so much uh, more to learn and to be the totality of a quarterback. And I think that was important for him because everybody's recognized the fact that he has run a ability second to nobody else. And he's got arm talent to recognize the receiver and get it downfield. But it's about the whole project of quarterback. It's about understanding perfectly everything that you just said in the huddle and how it pertains to everybody's assignment, where the vulnerabilities of the protection are. And then if you have to make a change at the line of scrimmage or ready to the audible that you've already called an audible, knowing exactly what it means and how it pertains. And that can you take advantage of a coverage that you want to throw the ball against instead of running against an overloaded line of scrimmage. So I'm, I'm glad that Justin recognizes the improvements that he needs to make, but I also think it, it increases the responsibility of Luke Getze to take where Justin was feeling at the end of the year, especially as poorly as they played in that Detroit game, mm -hmm. and th there's nothing that you want to take out of that game. The wreckage. Right. And then where that you need to be at the end of OTAs. I'm going to give them OTAs, and I'm going to give them that, that portion of practice because it's almost being reintroduced mentally, verbally, visually to the offense that they want you to play this year according to what you did last when year. When you say you're going to give him that, you mean you're not going to be critical of him right. during that? I'm, I'm not going to be overly critical got because you. that's kind of where you're developing different types of nuances inside the offense. Okay, and then when you start playing 11-on-11 11 11 football in whether it's mandatory minicamp and then going into training camp, every single play counts. You see what I'm saying? I'm giving you that time. It's on to when grow. Camp, camp, it's on during yes saying. during yeah. OTAs. But you know, like when you get to the from mandatory mini camp throughout training camp, it's about every play. Yes, yep. And so, but and I think that Justin's got to recognize it first. And you know, Dick Stanfeld, our offensive line coach, used to say that all the time: "Is goes looking." I can coach you so much, but eventually you're going to have to coach yourself. And so it wasn't we always had to run to Dick Stanfeld and, Coach, I miss that, or Coach, what do I do? No, figure it out because that's the way that you're going to improve. Eventually. Right. When you have to make those decisions at an instant notice on the actual game field, you're coaching yourself. And so I, when I heard at the very – Tyler, when he played at the very opening of the show at 10 o'clock, I, I was encouraged – 
by Justin and his answers in realizing what he needs to do going forward. I love that you set a template, too, in terms of how you're going to watch Justin Fields next year because I think everybody, even fans, need to set their own templates because you're right. It's going to be so – like as if it wasn't hyper this year for Justin Fields. Right. This is the year where there are real expectations for Fields. So that's why I asked earlier in the show – if he struggles the first five games of the year, is it full-blown? Like, how many games did Justin Fields get to to become the player that, that shows us he can actually be good all-around quarterback? Uh, you know, if, if, if after five games, Mark, that we're talking and we're saying, God, Justin seems like he's regressed, yeah. then I have concerns. Okay. Okay. Then if I say, okay, yeah, you know, I saw that, you know, there was a, a, a blitzer that was let that was coming at him free. He recognized it at the, at the corner of his eye and was able to roll out of harm's way and get the ball out of his hands. Those are going to be the things that are encouraged – are encouraging to me so you know I I guess you know is there a slotted amount of games but I guess it's what are his numbers at ever at the end of every game uh-huh. is he inviting sacks right. is he making the wrong decision in the in the plot in the red zone when the receiver was open and, and ready to take the ball so. uh, quick request here from the 773 if Tom is going to quote Dick Stanfeld he's got to do it in the voice so is that possible yeah Look, I see you bench press 500 pounds. Hey, you, that guy throwing you around like a dish rag. That was actually said to me by him in a team meeting. And then he, he um, uh, what do you call that when you bench press? No, oh. when you do uh, miming. Oh, he, okay. he mimes the bench press. I see you bench press 500 pounds. Wait, so, wait is, he, is he like... Is he from New Orleans no, or something? No, he, he got kicked in the throat okay. while he while he was an active player. What's the accent though? I'm just... It's it's more of a raspiness. Oh, okay. It's, it's about just, their... you know, and I and he, I think he's from San Francisco. Oh, I think interesting. He grew up in that area, but he, he just always talked like this. Okay, I thought he was from Cajun hey, land. And he always called me. My whole career, he called me Thayers. <laughs> and he go, hey, hey Thayers, what's your assignment here? And Jay would go. Hey, Dick, his last name is Thayer. And he I know, I know. Just, just shut up. What do, you, what do you do here? So there, there was a lot of fun in it. But listen, man, all respect in the world to Dick Stanfeld because you talk about a coach being, you know, on the same, knowing more about the game than the players and then being able to incrementally teach every single position, every single assignment according to every single defense you're going to face. That was Coach Stanfeld. Stanfeld. Over here. You should have given him the S. All right, how do you like it, Stanfelds? You know what's so funny? I've never heard Dick Stanfeld talk, but that impersonation is hilarious. Yes. No matter what, even if you've never heard the guy, it sounds like a character. It does. Look. Oh, gotta love that Cajun cooking there. We know. Oh, yeah, we're gonna pop it up a minute right there. I just, I, I don't know what that accent is, but I absolutely love it. Uh, he is the great Tom Thayer. I am Mark Grody. When we return. I think I think we are talking to Zach Zaidman and Anthony Heron. Oh, yes, they, those two guys, two guys that are good, good uh, talkers. Oh, good talkers, and I smell good more guys. football with those guys. I'm sure they'll they'll go around the whatever they've got, but I'm sure that a lot of bears will be spoken between those two guys as well. And they are coming up next here on the Bernstein and Holmes Show on Chicago Sports Radio six seventy. The score. All right, I just I gotta leave. Okay, no, we just started. Come on, man. We listen, just, listen. Gotta... There's a lot to see in this life. Not wasting it here.
Ah, it's been a show. Mark Rohde and Tom Thayer wrapping it up as uh, we have been in for Bernstein and Holmes today. Thank yous to Mark Podash, Ricky O'Donnell from SB Nation talking bulls. Just had the coom dog on. Ron Coomer and Tyler Buterbaugh producing the show today. Thanks, man. And always a pleasure to work with Tom Thayer. It was fun, man. Tyler Butterball. Butterball. That's, that's right. That's where we're going. Pure Butterball <laughs> that's now. That's right. Buterball awesome. is all one name. <laughs> How about that? Yeah, it is. A, it is a. I, I mean, at first glance at that name, it is menacing. Sometimes if you're just, as we say, sight reading, so seeing it for the first time, mm-hmm. you see Buterball and you get a little flustered. It, it so. reminds me of a name from um, the John Belushi movie. Uh where mm. they're at the college. Animal House. Animal House. Uh-huh. You know, yeah. he was Buterball. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is absolutely perfect. We, we are wrapping up our broadcasting portion of the day here today, but welcoming into the studio, in for Parkins and Spiegel today, it is Big Ant Anthony Heron and Zach Zaidman from 2 o'clock until 6 o'clock today. Gentlemen, welcome to the downtown Chicago Score Studios. I do have a question that I, I'm not sure which one of you is a longer tenured member of the the company here. What what exactly is a company holiday? Like, why is no one who's normally here here right now? I, I have no idea. Why. Well, it's a holiday, so you get the, you get the day off. So if you're regular, but they're full-time. all just actually like I feel like they don't all ever actually take the day off at the same time. That's a good point. Are. Yeah, usually, but but I don't know if I like missed out on some kind of a like a golf excursion or something like that. <laughs> Zach that I should have been invited to. Zach, uh, Zach. I mean, the morning show guys were exactly here. were they in? Say, okay, yeah. all right, good. Setting yeah. an example. Well, that Mully I think... just came back from like a month off though. Who celebrates a birthday for a full month? How old do you Mully? have to be before that happens? Apparently, Mully. Yes. I mean, in foreign countries, and, you know, he doesn't do it in the USA anymore. Mully and Haw are the only full-time show that cares enough to be here. There we go. On this, yeah. on, I guess everybody else is focusing on President's Day. Mm-hmm. That's really what it is. It's a federal holiday, which is the reason that it's a company holiday, to answer your question. <laughs> but I, I think usually this time of year, especially this Monday, the, the first Monday – after the Monday after the Super Bowl mm-hmm. is usually a boring time in sports. Oh, this yeah, is yeah. the beginning of what usually is a really crappy time when it comes to talking sports, but not here in the city of Chicago, thanks to the Bears, because the Bears are the offseason story in the NFL, because as of right now, they have the top pick. You don't know if they're going to keep that pick. They've got a starting quarterback that the city, the city has, has fallen in love with and gone silly over. Mm. But he may not be the quarterback by the time the draft rolls around, based on some of the reports that we heard last week. So there's, of course, the burgeoning baseball excitement on the north side of the city, which you have some affiliation with as well. But beyond that, right? By 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 the end of the week, when we start having some spring training games, especially here on the score, that'll change and that'll be fun. You've got Northwestern basketball Mm. now ranked in the top twenty-five. That's a big deal, but I don't think Northwestern has captured the hearts of Chicagoland. It's, it's but, different. Hey, Which is why Matt and Danny are roll here. Your eyes or ra- <laughs> roll your eyes or raise your hand if you think Justin is not going to be here week one of the regular season. I would be stunned if he's not the quarterback right. of the I, I, I just, I, You know, that, that's what Ant and, and Mark and Zach. I, you know, I was – so 
Justin doing interviews, you can get an interviewer to try to ask a question that they're looking for a negative answer to. Whereas Justin has to try to avoid those types of questions and come in here and say, look, I'm the quarterback of the Bears. I don't know what you're thinking, <laughs> what you're asking me about. And I'm not concerned about the other kind of topics of conversation that's been around there because I am the quarterback of the Bears. And I, I think that you know because there's – I'll use the term uncertainty. I'll, I'll use uncertainty loosely because I feel like most people are probably confident in exactly what Tom's saying. That Justin's going to be the quarterback headed into next season – but then there is that number one overall pick looming that you're talking about and just the conjecture for what the Bears could do to to monetize it, essentially, to capitalize on it in some way. Well, I'm going to go a step further here because I, I think there's a belief, and you guys, Big Ant, Tom, you know more than anybody when you watch a quarterback, if the quarterback has it, right? And the belief is, from all the experts that you talk to and Mark does and I do, people are high on the passing ability of Bryce Young. The issue with him is not his football ability, not his uh, ability to process what's happening and make the throws and 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 the anticipatory anticipatory throws too, which is a big deal. It's it's the size, right? It's not the height as much as it is the weight. Is he sturdy enough to take the kind of shots that you take in the NFL? bounce back up, and keep going. That's the issue. In the early part of his career. Because to me, if I have a quarterback that's trying to learn a system for the very first time, memorize all the terminology, know it exactly how it fits according to every play, you're vulnerable to getting hit mm -hmm. by a defensive coordinator that's a little bit more accomplished than you are. So if Bryce Young can make it through his rookie year without taking that abusive hit, without taking it a pounding from a Damakasu that drives <laughs> at the back of his head into the turf in like he, like he did in the San Francisco game. Mm. I, I just, you know, that's that's going to be the biggest challenge for Bryce, I think. And it's a great point that Tom makes. But then I start thinking, how many more years can Justin Fields go taking the kind of physical punishment that we've seen him take over the last two years? The guy's won five games as a starting quarterback. And yes, you can say that a lot of that has to do with the fact that he hasn't really been surrounded by anything. But he's missed more games than... He's won in his NFL career. He's never career. been in the same system two years in a row since probably high school. And that, that's why I say, and maybe you believe this, Like I, I think Luke Getze is equally as important as Justin Fields this year yeah. because it's the second year in a system where you see those advancements that these quarterbacks can take. The The developmental aspect of it is is so huge because the, you know, like you're saying, it's, it, it's assuming a lot that Justin Fields is suddenly become, you know, going to become a great passer next season. But part of that, it's it's usually a projection early in a quarterback's career. You know, you, you do have – there's some rare cases. Like Joe Burrow is a bit of a rare case. Justin Herbert is a bit of a rare case. And, you know, there's certainly a lot of folks saying, well, Justin Herbert has only won so much mm -hmm. early in, in his career here also. There is a, a developmental progression that usually comes with the position that Justin Fields is just in the infancy of right now as we kind of project forward. What what do his talents end up leading us to believe he can become? And, you know, just because the answer isn't this final determination yet, then that, that's where the projection has to be a part of it. I think one of the big questions, too, is and we kicked this around a little bit this morning. And that is how much patience will – we know that the patience will not exist for the fan base. If, <laughs> if he struggles five games in – 
it's going to be like whoever the backup is for the Bears this year, whether it's Trevor Simeon or if they draft a guy, you know that they're going to be calling for him. The question is, is how will the Bears look at it? And if he is, let's just say he's incrementally better and he doesn't take a big jump, what kind of a conundrum does that set up for the Bears? Because if, if with a guy with where he was drafted and what the expectations are, we're not talking about a guy who's supposed to just be average. We're talking about a guy who's supposed to be a franchise quarterback. They got to figure that out next year, and so the question is: Is how many games will the Bears? How patient will the Bears be? We know the fan base, but <laughs> how patient will the Bears actually be next year? I Justin think that Bears? the the public discussion of, around it to me has adjusted more quickly than it has around the league because there are the the examples of a Daniel Jones, of a Tua Tonga guys who were drafted in the first round by franchises that have gotten four and five years into their career before that franchise has determined it. Multiple head coaches in both cases before that franchise feels confident in either case. And Daniel Jones, how confident are the Giants? You know, is it a franchise tag situation? Is it a long-term deal situation? Yeah. To a Valoa still continues to struggle with concussions and prior to all the concussions was banged up a lot. And his frame, like you're talking about with Bryce Young. So, you know, two years in, the Bears have potentially, they have at least two, potentially three years before they have to make a final determine on Justin Fields. It'd be great to know by next year, but they don't necessarily have to know by then. So Daniel Jones fired his agent. He hired a new agent. If he gets franchise tagged, does he have to pay that a- agent a portion of the franchise tag? So, you know, it's kind of a right? serious question that, yeah. you know, Zach, maybe you can do some investigative work behind the scenes. But I, I from a football standpoint, I understand why the Giants are thinking about applying the tag because unless you are certain that you have the answer at the position I don't think the way the NFL is constructed right now that you can afford to give unless you know for sure that a guy's going to be the next Patrick Mahomes where you're winning games directly because of consistently great quarterback play look at Buffalo Big Ant and I were talking about this in the green room and it's it's luscious it's beautiful they're great couches and <laughs> plus uh, chairs yeah and oh my goodness it smells good I, too, know, yeah. it's been a long yeah, time yeah, since I've been sad. in there oh. and what what strikes me, for example, about the Buffalo situation is you have a quarterback that when the Bills paid Josh Allen, no one disagreed with what they did. But clearly there's some holes on that roster, and they are not good enough to beat Cincinnati at this point, not good enough to beat Kansas City at this point. So can you add the necessary weapons within your salary cap space to be able to defeat those teams now that you've paid Josh Allen. And that's why I I think Baltimore's having this discussion right now, especially in the AFC, when it comes to someone like Lamar Jackson, who's done everything right, but you're not quite sure if you're good enough to beat those teams. You signed Von Miller to answer the exact questions that you're asking. And that's the thing. That's why they went and signed him, to go out there and beat a quarterback like Joe Burrow. And unfortunately, with him being injured, at the end of the season, they were right back to square one for the reason why they signed Vaughn. <laughs> the the balance for the Bears this coming offseason, Zach and I were talking about this before the show as well. We'll have a long time to get into it today of what they prioritize. And I wonder if where, you know, the Bengals said, let's go immediately and get Joe Burrow like that number one, quote unquote, number one receiver. And for the Bears and this roster that needs so much help, needs Oodles and oodles of pass rushers. Needs multiple pass protectors, run blockers, road grader types. Could use a couple of different playmakers on offense as well. Could use linebacker. Like, there are so many areas that they could upgrade everywhere, but then you don't have to spend it all right now. And and do you get it all in the draft? That's not plausible either. 
So that that clock for Justin Fields being two years in, they've got two to three years left on that rookie deal. How anxious do the Bears feel to feel like we got to know for sure? So maybe we got to surround Justin with weaponry to let him prove something right off the bat, or is it just about this methodical progression for the franchise for this roster about the long term health of the team? There is only one question left after all the green room talk. How will you guys handle today's program? What will happen today between two o'clock and six o'clock? A lot of good football conversation like this. I We're can also feel it. Yes. Can you can you imagine what it's like to be the Bulls right now where Russell Westbrook doesn't even believe in you <laughs> and and he's decided I, I'm not Let coming me go to here. the Clippers. <laughs> so Cody Westerland will join us to, to talk some Bulls, All Star recap, all that kind of stuff coming up at two twenty. We'll talk a lot of Bears and maybe get some of the answers to Tom's questions at three o'clock with Kevin Fishbane, who covers the Bears nice. for the Athletic. Uh, a lot of Bears talk throughout. We'll be taking your phone calls at three one two six four four. One thing I want to hear you guys answer: Did Max save the dunk contest? Oh, McClung. Well, yeah, we'll, he's we'll, up. we'll answer that McClung. during the show. <laughs> yes. I love and uh, and a lot of baseball coming up at five o'clock. Uh, we'll, we'll go to Cubs camp. We'll go to Sox ah. camp because uh, this is the week where they start spring training games, and uh, and this is the time. When are you going, Zach? When are you going? You I'm going yet? right after the Big East tournament. Okay. So awesome, uh, you know we, we still have DePaul on the score. Yes. When they're done, <laughs> boom, yes. we go and. Uh, and a lot of spring training. Oh. Can't wait to to rejoin Pat. I can tell and Ron. you're already working on your tan. Oh, going to be goodness. out there soon. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah. He, he, a lot of sunblock for this guy. <laughs> <laughs> He's Zach Zaidman. He is Anthony Heron. These two guys will hold it down between two and six. In for Parkins and Spiegel for Tom Thayer and Tyler Buterbaugh. I'm Mark Grody here on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score.